Red Dice Diaries podcast, a rambling journey through the wonderful world of RPGs by a longtime GM and player. The music at the start of this podcast is Shinigami by Tarek, used under Creative Commons license. We're going to start this episode by looking at some voicemail messages that people have left me. So without further ado, take it away. Hey John, Jason with Random Screed and apparently Kalmata Live here coming at you. So yeah, it was a good game. There was some weird stuff going on. I <laughs> I found it entertaining, you know, what Lorik decided to do, the way the carousing rolls went down. And I noticed you didn't mention Narder's uh, situation, so that's pretty funny. The, that the Spaniard even survived surprises me. Uh, but that's the way it's been going. People aren't as competent as they'd like to be, it seems like, but they're not as incompetent enough to... Uh, for Darwinism to take over. So either way, it was uh, enjoyable to listen to you talk about the game, and thank you for the praise. And uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing further episodes and, you know, GMing for you and Lorik Smelt River. Thanks, buddy. Later. That's Jason Hobbs there. Thanks very much for leaving me a voicemail, Jason. Yeah, I think the praise was well-deserved. I thoroughly enjoyed the last Kalmata game I was in. I'm looking forward to getting back into the jungles with Lorik Smelt River soon. Yeah, you're right. I didn't mention Narda's particular situation. I wanted to leave that as a little bit of a surprise for anyone who was going to watch the video. And if you've not watched the video, anyone who's listening, I suggest you go over to Jason Hobbs' channel and have a look at it. What happened with Narda, I won't spoil it, but it was very entertaining, added a lot to what was a great session. So thanks very much again, Jason. Looking forward to the next session. Hi John, Colin, Spike Pit. Um, yeah, setting up a game, running a game, getting the players input, it's all well and good, but uh, you just don't want to get stuck with something you don't want to run, man. Um, so, proceed with caution, sourcing the table on that front, I reckon, and I think you got it right. As long as you're explaining and making clear what it is you're trying to do, why why should the players want to change it and really to be fair if you come to a game with the intention of well essentially messing it up that's uh, bad form uh so yeah also episode 51 really enjoyed your retelling of our adventures on Kamata and um yeah i'm thoroughly enjoying it mate and i liked your whole idea to do the cleric thing even though it went well the way we knew it would go and you ended up in the boozer Nice one. Catch you later. That was Colin there, a fellow OSR anchorite from the Spike Pit. Thanks very much for leaving me the voicemail, Colin. Yeah, I think the the thing about roleplay games is there's a lot of room for give and take and negotiation between the GM and the player. And in fact, that's going to be part of the subject of the mainstay of this episode. But... I also think there has to be a time when the GM sort of like stamps their authority on a game as long as they're making it clear to their players what sort of game they're going to get. And there's some games where the setting is decided collaboratively and some games where the GM says, I'm running this game, you know what you're going to get when you turn up and that's what you expect to play. And I think players either have to buy into that if that's the sort of game that's being run or move on or try and find something that they can enjoy in the game it's a it's a bit of a difficult subject because there's so many different variables but hopefully i've given some insight in the previous episode 
thoroughly enjoying Kalmata, as I've just said in my response to Jason's message. Great to be hanging out with the rest of you guys in like the international Kalmata group, as it seems to have become known. Looking forward to ranging out with Spike the Delver again in the future. So thanks very much, Colin, and hopefully speak to you soon. Okay, so the mainstay of this episode is going to be a conversation between myself and Johannes Pavela. Johannes is running a Stars Without Number game that I'm lucky enough to be playing in at the moment. And in Stars Without Number, you pick foci, sort of like special abilities, at certain levels as you go up in this OSR game. And I'm looking at potentially with my character, Catherine, who is like the mechanic slash pilot, taking the unique ability sort of foci which you have to discuss with the gm as to what it actually entails and i talk an awful lot about this sort of gm and player discussion but it's rare for me to be on the player side of that since i gm so much and i thought it'd be interesting for people to actually get to hear that so without further ado let's go start with a little bit of conversation that we had about the adventure behind the walls that I've been working on with Glenn Seal and that Johannes and my regular group play tested through. And we're just chatting a bit about that at the start before moving on to talking about stars without number. To, to be honest, the sort of like the mold creatures, like the Molax that were in the were in the game, I, I pretty much just took like the shambling mound stats and tweaked them a bit for like the big creatures. And then because there's an option to like introduce like smaller versions of them, so like lesser ones. Mm-hmm. I just sort of like sort of pared the stats down a little bit for like the lesser mm-hmm. ones. So they're all just like adapted stats, but it's like I tried to do something more interesting than just be like, oh, it's a low level adventure. Here come the skeletons. <laughs> yeah. Next up, rats. <laughs> That's it, exactly. It's going to be. I mean, I've already got like, as you guys saw, I've already got a bit of like the mud cows in it where it's like, oh, we're fighting some like animated cows. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't just have like the payoff. You've done like the stereotypical like encounter where you fight some animals because you're low level. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't just have the main baddie be like, oh, he's a skeleton. So I was like, oh, it's a bit anticlimactic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And plus it can be sorted out by like one well-placed climber it being like, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that encounter done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, to be fair, I, I thought the the fact that there were uh, there was like mushroom cows there, I think that was pretty cool because you usually get because because of the like the unspoken premise of pretty much all of these games is like you are the good guys and you are fighting uh, evil guys and or uh, aggressive elements of nature which one when they resist your uh, attempts as a being of culture to dominate them yeah uh, they're also evil yeah <laughs> so, so, so it's Very much. So, so is wolves is fucking badgers, all the like the mean shit, and fucking the most domesticated animal in history, cows. Uh, it, it's it's a bit off the beaten path, and I, I thought that was. Oh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Alex, I'm looking forward to the next session. Although my, my only thing at the minute is I'm thinking about because obviously Dennis has done the same way. Like, he effectively wants to like arrest slash threaten mm-hmm. like the criminal guy, and I'm trying to think. Of, I can see. I'm fine with that. I can see a couple of potential issues with it. Because obviously, like the criminal's not going to react well to like being threatened. Obviously, because mm-hmm. he's like a criminal. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, it's like if I have him just sort of like beat you guys up effectively and be like, "That's what you get, some." Mm-hmm. Then 
are you guys still going to be like, oh yeah, now we're going to go and do this mission for him? So like, it's all the planning I've done for that mission that you chose going to be like shoved to one side, or I can have him arrested. In which case, again, are you still going to go on the mission for him? Because I know you guys have like chosen the mission, but Dennis's sort of like plan could like skew that a little bit. So, mm-hmm. but luckily I've got plenty of time to think about it. So, yeah, I think to be honest, uh, if he shows up with his boys, and there's twice the number uh, of us, I think it's going to be a, like a no problem. He's going to like show up with the the thing like, "Hey, I found this. I'd really appreciate it if you took this down, and then we can talk business." Yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking of him having turned up like pretty much as you say with that and said, "I'd appreciate that if you took this down." He said, like, "Oh, if you take it down, I, I won't have to like when the church arrests me, I won't have to reveal that like one of your like your church guys is like in massive debt to me because he was like gambling with me." Mm-hmm. So and uh, like by association because this is in fucking stupid AD. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, <laughs> I am also a demon worshiper because I know this guy. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty much going to go like, oh, well, we can stand there and like threaten each other, and like no one gets what they want, or I can give you a bit of extra information. You guys can go and do this mission for me. We'll all get what we want. Happy days. Mm-hmm. There's no need for any. Because I'm gonna have him like do the whole thing, like you know, like oh, I'm a businessman. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not interested in like making trouble or like having beef with the church. All I know is like your guy owes me some money. I need this doing. You guys go and do it for me. We all make a bit of profit. Everyone's happy. And once I know that you're like good for it, I might be able to put a little bit of other like work your way on the side, like you know, to like get you a few extra like shillings. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully my idea is like, if you guys are successful, like I can have the occasional mission like pop up from him, where we'd be like, oh yeah, this is like this is other creature that uh, like needs harvesting. So like you guys will always have the option like every now and again to just be like, oh, would would you want to go and hunt a monster? Mm-hmm. But yep. it'll it'll be for more reason than just like there is a monster menacing the village. Go get it. <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah, <pretty laughs> not, not again. <laughs> okay, so. Stars without number, then. I'm just going to have a look at the... Oh, hey! Look! Oh, hey, hey! <laughs> I'm just going to have a look at the um, the focus thing, where it's like unique focus, or, yeah, unique gift. There we go. Page... Oh, here we go. Focus. So, page 23. Yeah. Should we read the thing out for the... Yeah, sure. Do you want me, or Questions. do you want to do it? Uh, I mean, go ahead, if you, if okay. you have it there. So, uh, foci are sort of like uh, areas of like speciality that you pick at certain levels during Stars Without Number. I, I suppose they're a-, a bit like feats, but they're more sort of tied into like the background, and they give you like a few like little bonuses here and there. Like I've got um, I've got a piloting based one, which is allowing us to like move around ridiculously quickly in our spaceship because I've taken it at a couple of different levels. Um, the one we're looking at now, potentially, if we can work out like a good way of getting it into the game, is the unique gift. And the description of that in the Stars of That Number book is, whether due to exotic technological augmentation, a unique transhuman background, or a remarkable human talent, you have the ability to do something that is simply impossible for a normal human. 
This is a special focus which serves as a catch-all for some novel power or background perk that doesn't have a convenient fit in the existing rules. A transhuman who can function normally in lethal environments, a nanotech-laden experimental subject with a head full of exotic sensors, or a brilliant gra gravitic scientist who can fly thanks to their personal tech might all take this focus to cover their special abilities. It's up to the GM to decide what's reasonable and fair to be covered under this gift. If an ability is particularly powerful, it might require the user to take system strain to use it, as described on page 32 of the rulebook. As a general rule, this ability should be better than a piece of gear the PC could buy for credits. The player is spending a very limited resource when they make this focus pick, so what they get should be good enough that they can't just duplicate it with a fat bank account. Yep. And the... The, the idea that I, I sort of like mentioned half jokingly to Johannes at the end of the last session <laughs> was I quite like the idea because I we've, we've we've not really gone into the sort of like AI sort of droid bit of the setting. We've got Matthew Bryan's character Tau, who is a, a mechanical life form, but I've felt that he's been sort of like a bit sidelined because he's sort of playing like the medical character. And he's a really cool character, but quite often as the doctor, he's just sort of like, oh, well, you stay on the ship while we do the cool stuff. And then like, if yeah. anyone gets injured, we'll like, come crying to you and be like, oh, Matthew's going to sort me out. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it, it'd be quite a cool idea to, to sort of use my unique gift to like, link my character into that whole sort of like, mechanical side so I can then like use it to hopefully like give Matthew's character a bit more of the spotlight and sort of bring him a bit more into the game because i do think it's like a really cool character who is a little bit sidelined at the minute due to no fault of his own it's just like how mm -hmm. it's worked in the game because we're like yep. right we're going on a mission right okay we've got we've got my character right we need the pilot great we need the captain who's got all the social shiz going on great we've got dave's character diego or the jackal as he's known <laughs> in um, the pit fighting circuits who's like a muscle and like a sort of a gunsmith and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's the gun-toting badass. That that's it. And we all tend to get because we're going on that these high action adventures, like doing a heist that we did last time, like hijacking this um, hover train full of Lemetria, this like rare or all of the action sort of types tend to come forward. And it's like, yeah, my character tends to be like, right, I'm going to stay on the ship and just sort of like, fly the ship. But because we're like on comms with each other, I tend to be like quite involved with that because I'm like coming up with the plans and like getting the ship and like firing the weapons on the ship. Whereas the doctor, unfortunately, tends to be like stuck in the med bay waiting for someone to get injured. And I've been sort of trying to bring him into it a bit, but it, it, it's difficult when obviously his main talent is to like help injured people. And thanks to like uh -huh. the blessing of the OSR gods, we yep. have largely. And good dice rolls. We've largely avoided being horrendously injured so far. Yeah, which is a big thing for uh, how that character gets like less action than you guys do, because you you just roll ridiculously well for f five sessions going now. Well, that's it. And if if damage does tend to be taken, it tends to be like damage on the ship, which mm -hmm. obviously in like the downtime we then just like roll into whatever sort of spaceport we're in paid the creds over to get the ship repaired and we're on our way again for the start of the next mm -hmm. session and his character doesn't really get involved in that so what I was suggesting to you Hannes is that uh, and you we were sort of chatting this around a bit is that perhaps our ship will be like a, I suppose like a node for like a, an actual AI so obviously the ship can't contain like a full AI but it might sort of be like almost like a remote access point 
for mm-hmm. like this AI and obviously like riffing on the whole like Battlestar Galactica sort of series which I'm a massive fan of I was thinking of taking the the unique gift to say that my character is actually although she's unaware of it an artificial life form herself and she's effectively like um, part of the ship or she's like a sort of an interface for this like AI that's on the ship which I think would be a cool justification for like all the like amazing shit my character's been pulling off with like the piloting and mm-hmm. also it adds an extra bit of explanation as to why my character's like I oh, know because my character's properly like I oh, know we, we should make sure the ship doesn't get like shot up I oh, know I don't want to go too far from the ship I don't want to leave the ship so that'd be like a cool sort of like extra explanation for that even though my character herself's not aware of it mm-hmm. and once it does become sort of obvious that I'm an artificial life form and so when that needs to be studied that will bring Matthew's character in because he's got the expertise with that. My character doesn't. I'm just a pilot and an engineer. Mm-hmm. So th- that's what we're having this talk about now and I thought it'd be interesting to record it because I've often talked about the sort of player GM like negotiations to work stuff like this out. So I thought it'd be cool to record this for the podcast as me and Johannes are sort of talking it through. And we might get to the end and be like, oh no, it's not suitable for the game. And, and we might not use it. No harm, no foul if we don't. But I just thought the process we're going through now might be interested for some people. Mm-hmm. So I think, <clears throat> like to start with, is well, you, you sort of mentioned that just now. But like, what would you like for this thing to be? Would you like uh, it to be the sort of thing like, oh, you're you're one of the final five, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you're you're like a a surprise like organic uh slash uh actually like artificial uh person that's like a separate thing and you just have a kinship uh would you like to like the the like the reveal to be like oh there <laughs> there's actually metal underneath <laughs> well yeah uh, I, I i was sort of thinking um as I was saying to you at the end of last session, so like in the sort of Terminator style where it's like um, it's like an artificial life form with like a thin covering of like meat and blood effectively. So like if I get like a minor cut, yeah, a bit of blood will come out. It looks fine. But mm-hmm. obviously I've not actually been seriously injured in the game yet. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, mm-hmm. obviously when I do get seriously injured, that would be when it would become apparent that like I'm an artificial life form. And obviously Matthew's character would be the person who would be trying to heal me and be like, Oh, okay. (laughs) This doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in in terms of, like, how mechanical my character is, I'm open to input. Like I say, my main... My main purpose was to, to to do something a bit interesting. I'm not bothered about having like massive bonuses to stuff for the ship because like I've got big bonuses to piloting anyway. That that's covered. Mm-hmm. I, like I say, my main aim was just to like bring Matthew's character into a bit more and potentially open up exploring this side of the game, which obviously his character, by virtue of his nature, is quite sort of mm-hmm. set in. But like the rest of us haven't really touched with a barge pole yet because we've like had no reason to. Yeah, and the the game so far has been about different stuff. Right? It's been, it's been about the the adventures of uh, a bunch of people who really need to make some credits to yeah. continue to be able to live free, basically. Um, so, I also so, thought it'd be quite an interesting dynamics. We've obviously got Tao, who is like knows he's artificial. 
but he's mm-hmm. to fit in socially he's sort of masquerading as a, a biological life form and he's trying to learn more about that whereas my character would be almost at the opposite end of that scale where because i'm not aware i'm artificial mm-hmm. I, I, I think i am biological so i, I act like a, a biological life form but so he'd be trying to find out more about that and i'll be trying to find out more about being an artificial life form and hopefully like meet somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and i'll be able to sort of bring his character in a little bit more Mm-hmm. So I think the next thing to consider would be like what are we actually talking about when we talk about artificial, uh, like the artificial body and or artificial intelligence? Because it could be uh, either way. Like it could be that your character has like an original organic mind in like a Terminator body. Or it could be that you are some form of artificial intelligence, whether that's a virtual intelligence or an actual AI, which there is a like a distinction between those two. Um, See, so I, I was thinking it might be cool, like because um, obviously my character does have like uh, I mean we're not really got into it massively, but my character like does have a back history. I was mm-hmm. thinking it might be interesting if. Basically, my character was that the artificial version of my character is currently on the ship was like modeled on like an original person who mm-hmm. was maybe on the ship and perhaps died or like left or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, perhaps I don't even know what happened to the original, mm-hmm. the original version of me. So that could be like something you could either use or not as you see fit. But mm-hmm. after this person died, left the ship, whatever, the, mm-hmm. the, the AI who's sort of like using the ship as a node to sort of like gather more information about what's going on in the universe from mm-hmm. relative safety of wherever it actually is mm-hmm. is like oh it's it's obviously more easy to interact with like biological life forms if they think you're a biological life form as well so it sort of like created this artificial version modeled it entirely after this person who it had all this time to observe and get to know and someone who'd interacted closely with the computer systems and it sort of like built like a, a copy of her mm-hmm. and was like oh yeah and then i'll just bring this in oh it's the same person never left the ship never died whatever absolutely fine mm-hmm. got some ready-made relationships doesn't have to like deal with the whole like oh i'm an artificial life form what's going on because the person thinks they're like biological but the AI can still sort of use the experiences my character's having to like learn more about the universe and like interacting with people. Mm-hmm. So, um, would your character's cognition be a separate entity, or would it be like an extension or a sliver of this? this greater like a true ai yeah i imagine it'd be sort of like a little sliver i mean the way i've been thinking about it at the minute is you know like if you have like dropbox on your computer Mm -hmm. you have like the sort of like the app version installed on your desktop Mm -hmm. and like most of it's like in the cloud then when Mm -hmm. you like go online it sort of like syncs the information up Mm -hmm. so like presumably when my character's like sleeping aboard the ship i'm effective Mm -hmm. like the the actual ai is like uploading the information and like relaying it to find based on like all the stuff i've done during the day so it can like analyze those experiences and whatever mm-hmm. and obviously if it needs me to like do anything it can then sort of like download those instructions into me while i'm resting and i'll wake up next day going like oh yeah so when we're we going like investigate that like planet that we were like looking at last time and i'll just think it's like my own idea sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah so the ship then would be 
the dock to your iPhone, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the ship isn't is not intelligent. It's it's you who's intelligent, and the ship is this apparatus that works in and around you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I imagine that like whatever the intelligence the ship may have once had is mm-hmm. now sort of in my character. But obviously, because the intelligence was once part of the ship, that helps explain like why I'm able to like do mm-hmm. what I can do with the with the computer systems and things like the ridiculous like spike travel speed and like slinging around mm-hmm. stars that we've been doing. All makes a lot more sense. Where you think, well, yeah, if you're like effectively part of the the computer system, using it to do stuff like that becomes less miraculous because it's you like using another part of yourself to do mm-hmm. to do what you want to do even though my character's just like yeah i'm the most amazing pilot in the world mm-hmm. okay um so so the ship used to be like the the sort of like extension of this true ai uh wherever it may be yeah. it used to be the ship but then the AI decided to make this copy, which is now your character, and then the because there's there's all this uh, uh, lore and background for how actual AIs work in the setting. So the quantum core of of a true AI would have been in the ship before, but then it made this like mechanical slash organic armature, which is you now. Yeah, and the core was transferred to the armature and then that's that's basically where we are so uh as for the um, what's called the focus so i think we uh, unless like you have some uh, other ideas we could uh very easily just pick one of the um, uh either virtual intelligence things like matthew did uh, or like harvest some stuff from the true AI uh, part of the book. The thing there is that the virtual intelligence part, that's an actual focus. So that's like a one-to-one exchange ratio, the exact same thing that Matthew did. That's yeah. easy, cut and dry. Uh, you get all the, all the stuff that Matthew gets. Basically, like you are, you are actually a robot. Turns yeah. out you're a Cylon. Um, <laughs> Uh, we I, we know because we have uh, a nuclear missile. Uh, the other option uh, would be to uh, go into the true AI stuff, which is a character class as opposed to the focus that the virtual intelligence is. Okay. So the true AI thing is a is an actual class. There is a bunch of stuff there that's very similar to the way the virtual intelligence work which is like you have your separate like your mental stuff is you and yeah. the physical stuff the stats whatever uh the the armature uh that's the thing that you use to walk around and also uh like the main thing of the true ai class is it has these what's called routines and it has processing basically that's the exact same system that psychics have with their uh techniques and uh effort so you have a number of processing points that you can use, and using those, you can activate uh, 
what's it called routines and these routines achieve uh, a lot of different stuff uh, the way it works is as you if you have the true AI class uh, well of course one of the options is we scrap your class uh, we, we scrapped Catherine as is I'm not sure if that's what we want to do because this is sort of like yeah. sprinkles on top instead of like like no, scratch so, everything yeah because I mean obviously like I say I, I mean I want to do it for flavor and like bring Matthew's character in I, I don't yeah. want to like massively overly complicate the game and sort of mm -hmm. like t turn the spotlight fully on m my character because that's that, that's not really what I'm after so yeah. yeah I think like you say I'd be looking for more like the, the sprinkles and the flavoring on the top rather than like completely redoing the character yeah so one of the things we could do is like give you some processing based on something that we decide whether that's like we we pick the because you you can be a partial true ai and partial warrior if you want to <laughs> uh, because uh, and the thing is with that is like you're just not that interested in your nature as a as an artificial intelligence like you don't develop that part of yourself instead you sort of fight in in space which is cool <laughs> well yeah uh, i can't argue with that <laughs> yeah um so we could we could like get you uh processing and then like a couple of routines to run uh if that's something we want to do well like i said i'm, I'm entirely willing to be like led by you on this because obviously you know mm. more about the ai and the background of that because yeah. obviously with it not being the focus of the game i've not really read up on it yeah so yeah. so like i say I, I i'm not i'm not really interesting like entirely changing the sort of like vibe of the characters i think the character like works well mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sort of looking to like add a little bit of extra flavor to the character rather than sort of like entirely redoing it but how you want to do that i'm entirely willing to be like, led by yourself in that regard okay um let's see if we want to do something other than just the virtual intelligence thing okay. uh, which is like we could just like do that instantly no like thought required we could just get you the focus that matthew has and be done with it but let's see if we want to do something else okay so uh, i'm just going to go through some of the core routines here which is uh the set of routines that all true ai's develop uh without any expenditure like you just get them what, what page are we looking at because i can like follow uh, you on, on the book 288 288 okay Again, I find out that this book is obviously not made to lie flat on a table. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, so core routines. Okay. Core routines, yeah. So, uh, there's a bunch of stuff there um, of like differing natures. Obviously, it's all tied into the, the sort of fictional tropes that we have uh, yeah. as a culture about how artificial intelligence works. Uh, a lot of it has to do with you're really efficient. <laughs> you are really efficient with stuff. Uh, starting from the first bit where um, the, the first routine is query data, which is if you have access to any amount of data, like if you have access to a database, you can just ask me anything and you will have like comprehensive understanding of everything instantly in that database. Okay. So like if you had like the we have this um, interstellar corporation in in our game so if you actually had access to like their mainframes 
you could just ask me anything and you would know if it's on the servers if it's not like behind security firewalls or whatever okay um and because uh, it, it like you have unlimited time to get that information out so you just get it <laughs> mm-hmm. um then we have uh split focus which is like you are extremely good at doing stuff by yourself so this would be like if we have a ship basically you don't if you had this you wouldn't need anyone else to run the ship like you could do it all by yourself without like needing drugs to stay awake or whatever okay um like like it says there uh it it you what what does it say so if you when you get it you are equal to three people as far as like uh operational purposes go okay and then it it triples with every level and then you can put more processing in to get uh like multiples of that uh which is uh insane uh basically like you if you had a bunch of this invested some processing in it you could run a factory by yourself <laughs> Okay, so if, if potentially, sort of right, the, theoretically at this stage, we're talking about having, me having access mm-hmm. to these core routines, is that something that's going to involve like a, a character class change? Because I believe they're only like for the AI classes. Yeah, that's that's uh, what I was going after when I asked, like, would you want to like scrap the thing and then like do something like that? But since that's not what we're going for. Well, I, I was think- going to say, I mean, if we were going to go that way, I'd probably mm-hmm. go sort of partial true AI, partial mm-hmm. expert to sort of like keep that sort of expert vibe going. Yep. But like you say, whether we want to do that or not. Yeah, that, actually, well, that, that's that's very much up to you. I would be up for it. We don't really need to do a whole lot um, for uh, like the the conversion part of of you as a true expert now <laughs> i say true expert uh full expert uh now and uh then in the future you would be a partial expert i don't think there's a lot that we need to do there yeah because i was gonna say I'm, I'm looking here at the the partial true ai and it says um, your access to routines is slow at first level they don't use any routines at all but when they get reached second level they gain mm-hmm. access to first level routines because they're only like a partial ai yeah. So I think if we're going to go that way, the thing to be we'd have to decide is, am I going to sort of have my current number of levels as like expert and then start adding the partial AI on top? Am I going to like retrofit some of my existing levels? What do you think would be the best way of uh, approaching that? The the way this is going to work is we're going to check how many skill points an actual expert gets as opposed to. A- Partial expert because I cannot remember. No, I can't. Uh, oh, yeah, the thing there is. Uh, here we go. Partial expert. Uh, you get the free combat, non-combat focus, which is cool. Like we don't need to change that. Uh, one extra skill point every time you get a level, and I think that's the same. Right. So. Uh, Basically, John, <laughs> this is going to be very easy if we want to like, scale it back from uh, a full expert. Okay, well, expert. if we're if we're interested in doing that, and you're for that, let me just bring up um, roll twenty so I can have my character sheet up, and we'll sort of 
go through that, shall we? And yep. Obviously, we can make sure like, we're both happy with it while we're both mm -hmm. here. Yep. I mean, this is this is the next uh, easiest option. Uh, uh, like, after just saying, like, yeah, you're a virtual intelligence, you get the the thing that Matthew has. Uh, this is the next easiest because the experts are so similar that we don't need to go back and like pull out a whole bunch of guts. Um, yeah, again, my, my only slight sort of, um, I suppose, trepidation would be the one mm -hmm. is, like I say, I'd, I'd, cause obviously the the sort of the artificial life form thing is very much like Matthew's shtick mm -hmm. at the moment. I, I don't just want to come in and suddenly be like, boom, I, I, I'm the artificial life form. L yeah. Less of you, Doctor. I want to <laughs> try and bring him into yep. the game a bit. Yep. So if, if it's going to be sort of like easier and like, it's not going to look. Cause I don't, cause I don't want to steal the spotlight from his character. If mm -hmm. it's if it's going to be easier and not do that to to take like the the virtual stuff like like he's done, I'll quite yeah. happily do that. Well, tell you what, uh, we don't need to make the call right now because all of this is very easy to like scale back and forth. Uh, yeah, I mean, because... obviously, I'm not going to get any of this until like. The next time we get a focus anyway mm -hmm. so yeah yeah but just like going forward this is actually very easy for us to like pick a spot anywhere on the the scale from catherine as she is now to uh catherine as a partial expert and partial true ai uh with everything on the scale like from the virtual intelligence uh focus thing to you having some routines and I think we could just, uh, depending on like which do you want, um, do you want to have the virtual intelligence focus, which gives you the, the sort of like mechanical nature that Matthew's character has? And let let's pull what, up. What um, I say, what page is the the virtual intelligence focus on? Uh, I think it's in the bestiary with some. Let's see if it's in the index. Virtual intelligence one nine seven. One nine seven. Yeah, in the beast here. So it gives you. Uh, you would be an android, I think, because you're uh, indistinguishable from human, uh, un unless like someone really digs it. So it's on one nine nine. Top right. Yeah, android. Yeah. So it, it's a level one focus. You can't get the level two on that. Mm -hmm. So you you get a free skill, and then everything uh, a VI robot gets, which is uh... there we go. Special VI rules on the same page. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. on just to the left. So yep. you have the same attributes, hit points, abilities, and character classes as humans do. Can't be a psychic, right? nor take the partial psychic class. Yeah, created in the same way as other human PCs. Start at the first level. Uh, need neither sleep, eat, nor drink. Require one type B cell per week of operation mm -hmm. away from readily available current. Which, again, not a problem so far because I've yeah. not really been off the ship enough to be like yeah. away from regular current. Yeah, and it's it's covered by. Uh uh the ship 
as a, like the, the crew like buying the supplies that you do also i quite like the idea where obviously my character i'm walking around with like a load of like b cell batteries which originally i was like oh, i'll buy these in case we need any like emergency provisions for tau but i quite yeah. like the idea that maybe it's like a subconscious thing we like you know like yeah getting some you. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly also yeah. it's, it's good that we're actually reading through this because uh it says the, the next line uh, they are immune to vacuum, uh, as as we knew, but they suffer degradation from radiation, which we did not realize yep. from from the time that we were on that radiated ship. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Uh, but yeah, basically, that like y- your nature as a as a like a robotic entity would be that, and you can be reprogrammed. Uh, you need spare parts to <laughs> to get healed like uh, actual medicine doesn't work on you yeah um yeah i quite, I quite like the idea of going for the um going for the vi stuff that, mm-hmm. seems, that seems like a, a nice of like easy way to do it without yeah. getting like too ridiculous and like delving into like, all the like extra stuff which i'm sure is great when it's a game that's like focused on that but obviously like mm-hmm that's not a major focus of our game so i don't want to try and like drag the focus away to something entirely new yep uh it it can be though like we uh very much uh, for everyone's uh, enlightenment uh, our game uh, of star field number is very much the the game out of the book so it's a crew with a ship they're in a sector of space and they're trying to make their way and have an exciting time doing it so that's what we've been doing, Adventures in Space. And it's been fairly exciting so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've, we've had a, a, a good old-fashioned train heist uh, in the desert, which is the obviously where you do it. Um, so that doesn't need to be the entire game. And I think it's going to start, like the, the focus of the game is going to start shifting either way the longer we play, because the characters will become invested in different parts of the setting. Like now we've been very focused on the fact that there's this planet where uh, there's like the civil unrest going. And well, well, that's, I mean, we, we've already started to build up the fact that like we, we've helped out sort of like the rebels, one of a better term. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all sort of like quite keen on sticking it to the combine or like the evil sort of like megacorp for anyone who's listening. And we're sort <laughs> of trying to like buy up the land and all the resources and like take everything over like a, an evil corporation should do. Uh, and we've sort of, obviously we're doing like our odd jobs and various bits and pieces to like make ends meet and keep the ship flying, which is part of the focus of the game. But as Johannes is saying, as time's going on, we're starting to make contacts with like sort of regular NPCs. We're starting to get more invested in like the political situation that's going mm-hmm. on, uh, as well as like the background of stuff. So I think you're absolutely right. The game is going to shift as we do get more invested. But like I say, and I'm quite I'm quite happy to like I say because I want to try and bring in a bit of like the artificial mm-hmm. life form stuff to like bring Matthew's character into it a bit. But I want to try and make it like an extra bit of a yeah. thing rather than just being like right the game is now entirely about androids or whatever <laughs> yeah it turns out this was matrix <laughs> yeah uh, exactly <laughs> um like we, we don't need to be like super careful about it because like shit's gonna happen either way and people are entirely within their rights uh you and matthew both here uh entirely within your rights to bring in ingredients that you find 
interesting in yeah. in the setting. So like Matthew, <laughs> very clearly, by picking uh, virtual intelligence to start with, he, he's been a robot for the entire game. <clears throat> he is very clearly signaling that that's something he's interested in. So uh, we can and probably will pursue that. It's, it's usually, uh, in my experience anyway, uh, some part of a start with a number game always goes into uh, how about them artificial intelligences though that well, that sounds not dangerous at all <laughs> well yeah i mean obviously like ais and like androids and that they're like a sort of standard sci-fi trope yeah. but um like i say i, I think it'd be nice uh, obviously it, it is going to come out when my character does get injured which is going to happen at some point it's our mm-hmm. game it's bound to happen mm-hmm. but i think that'd be a nice entryway for like Matthew's character to then sort of like get in and like bring a bit more of that element that obviously I like because that's why mm-hmm. I choose this. But he he obviously likes as well. Whereas at the moment he's not really getting just because how things have been and the missions we're doing, he's not yeah. really getting an opportunity to bring that in because obviously he's playing his character really well and he's sort of like he does the odd like quirky bits where he mm-hmm. like misunderstands like biological <laughs> life forms and stuff like that and that's really cool but he's not really had an opportunity to sort of like leave the door open a little bit more and sort of get that a bit more into the game which like I say he's obviously interested in it because yeah. he, he wouldn't be playing a virtual intelligence otherwise yep so hopefully this will give him an opportunity to sort of like bring that to the fore a bit more mm-hmm so uh you want to go with the virtual intelligence focus, uh, the Android focus? Yeah, I think I think that seems the most like reasonable at the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been thinking about some stuff uh, for the next session, and related to that, uh, would you find it uh, either interesting or uh, useful or, or, or fun, just plain out fun? to actually have because you're an armature for an actual ai which matthew's character is not yeah uh he he has a very deep and complex virtually like indistinguishable from a human cognition uh like you you can't like there is no void camp test to like figure matthew out matthew has to screw it up himself um which he is very capable of doing as we know from the sabbat game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we played, uh, he 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 can screw his characters up by himself. Like he doesn't need any help on that. But um, he is not like definitely not uh, a, a true virtual intelligence. He is, albeit a very complex matrix, but he is still just a personality matrix. Yeah. Um, and uh, your characters like the the like the fictional stuff here is you are an armature for uh, an actual uh, artificial intelligence, which is a whole different thing uh, in the setting, uh, the standard setting uh, details that we are using here. Uh, actually, uh, like true artificial intelligence can be psychics as well because their cognition is as real <laughs> yeah. as, as anyone else's. Um, so it's it's quite a different thing. So, would you find it either like a burden, or would you find it fun to have like one routine on top of your Android shit? I I, I would be quite happy with that. Um, mm-hmm. Like I say, the only reason I don't want to go for like the full sort of like VR mm-hmm. stuff is like I say I, I don't want to suddenly like sort of like 
stick stick my big nose in into like yeah he's Matthew's part of the game and just be like oh that's you out I'm I'm the android on this ship now yeah because like yeah. I say I, I do want to use it to like bring him in but yeah I'm certainly amenable to like potentially um, I don't know maybe after I've taken the the VI stuff perhaps if I get mm-hmm. when I get like another foci maybe like mm-hmm. using that to, like taking a unique thing again to like gain mm-hmm. access to some of the routines is just like an extra thing yeah or uh like that that's uh very much like these are these are kind of uh spells really for um for both the psychic like the psychics techniques and the true ai's uh routines they they're kind of like uh spells so they're like that you have the lists right yeah um and uh that's all fine and good, but it does say with the routines as well as the the techniques, that it, like these aren't the whole thing. This is just the sort of norms left from yeah, like before. a sample. Yeah, yeah, like the the like the basic template, and you can go beyond this. Uh, either like you you figure it out on your own, or more than likely, you find either a mentor or some old uh, technology. Uh, for that sort of thing, so uh, if we if we have adventures and uh, like maybe you stumble upon like a broken uh, part of an actual AI from way back, uh, and you like harvest that thing, like you, you could actually because we know that like fictionally you are tied into an actual AI, uh, you could like oh well this information looks interesting, and then you black out and eight hours later. <laughs> You wake up and you're like, "Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! That just happened." I I now know kung fu. <laughs> well, w- w- one thing I, I I do think it'd be quite cool, um, and, and it's not going to advantage me in any way. In fact, the the reverse is obviously my sort of like life force, if you want to call it that or whatever, is mm-hmm. like tied into the ship because that's like mm-hmm. my my command node for want of a better term. Yeah. So yeah. I think it'd be quite cool like, if we ever did get to a point where like the ship's like entirely powered down, like the engines like gone or whatever. Mm-hmm. If that effectively like powered down my character as well. Because mm-hmm. obviously then it'd be an interesting dilemma for the characters because I'm like the pilot at the moment. Yeah, that that would really suck for the the current like setup if both the ship and you are offline. <laughs> that, that's it exactly, and then I think I think it'd be quite an interesting dilemma because then they're like, "All right." Assuming by that point when that did happen, they knew that I was like an AI, they'd then have to like try and like sort of jump start me effectively mm-hmm. to like get me working enough to like pilot the ship or like repair it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, at the minute we've taken superficial damage and it's like oh, a bit of the hull's gone or whatever, but mm-hmm. there's, there's been no point where it's like oh so many systems are down or like the power's down or whatever so i think mm-hmm. obviously like while the while the power's up yeah i could I, i'm obviously like yeah i should get the ship fixed because i'm the pilot and obviously mm-hmm. like, subconsciously and also i work because of the ship mm-hmm. but um i think it'd be quite like i said like a cool like dilemma to if we ever did like miss do like a miss spike or whatever and it's mm-hmm. like oh the engine's blown out if they're like oh sorry i would get the pilot to like help us out and the pilot's just like yeah, you're you're just sleeping uh, when yeah. they get to the cockpit. You're like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that'd just be like a cool, like extra bit of flavor on like the, which I'd be quite happy to like role play, even on the four. I'd got the focus, mm-hmm. just because I think it's like a cool extra little thing. It doesn't really give me an advantage. In fact, quite the reverse. But I think it's just mm-hmm. like a cool extra thing as like a little lead into when I do take that focus. Yeah, 
and like there's all sorts of uh i'm big on what's called uh fictional positioning so the sort of uh leveraging of fictionally established facts which is like you're you're somehow on like a probably like a quantum level uh you your body is tied to the generator essentially like the spike engine of the ship yeah uh, so like there's all sorts of stuff like we can do with that now now like if we establish that this is how it is uh we can do a bunch of stuff with that like you said like if there's uh like a if the engine goes <laughs> We, we know that something's going to happen to you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, one of the things, as you know, that I'm quite a big fan of with like OSR games like Stars Without Number is because the rules are quite sort of almost vague in certain points, but mm-hmm. they're, they're sort of more general and you're supposed to sort of like play with them and reskin them as you want. I quite like the idea of having like the being like having like the Android focus, like the VI focus. But then they say like skinning it so it's like slightly different to to Matthews. So there's like mm-hmm. still a bit of difference between the characters, but nothing that's like a massive rules thing. So it's not going to like really complicate this the sessions. I'm really enjoying the fact at the minute in your game that the games are quite fast flowing. Mm-hmm. There's no bits where we're like we're, we sort of slow down and we're like, oh right, okay, so we we've got so many like action points we can use on the ship. We've got so many power points <laughs> we can use. How do we allocate this to make sure we can get to here and do this? And oh, we've got to like agonise over the cargo manifest. There's like mm-hmm. elements of trading and the stuff like that, but it's all sort of like in the background. And the main thing is that oh, we can sort of represent that in a way that doesn't detract from like the exciting bits and the adventures, which is what we're all enjoying. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine that that thing is probably going to shift a bit as well uh, as we like invest as players into different parts of the setting, because so far like we're sort of in the like the beginning. This is we've had five sessions now, but yeah. this is the beginning stages of of the twelve part uh, first season of a show mm-hmm. where they, like you you get all the character intros, like they do some like quote-unquote like regular stuff like they they're working basically and uh then shit happens and it gets real and that that's when you like shift from the oh we're doing bounty hunt number 75 oh no what's gonna what's gonna happen Uh, i mean like oh there's like fucking zombies everywhere like what, what's this about <laughs> well that's it and as we were saying I mean, one of the things i'm enjoying is as we're getting more sort of like invested in with exploring the setting and also with you using that call sectors without numbers um, oh, yeah. website to like lay out the sector map and sort of like reveal it as we move around it's nice because it, it's it's got a bit of that sort of hex crawl vibe to it where we're like we're discovering mm-hmm. and uncovering the setting as we're going but we occasionally like keep going back to like familiar places so we're like we're starting to sort of like recognize the places and you're like oh yeah we're going to this place oh we best not like wear our guns we best keep them on the ship oh we're going to this other place oh, it's a wretched hive of scum and villainy oh we'll send dave out to do some pit fighting yeah and and we we know that on this planet there's uh <laughs> well on the orbit of this planet there's this space station with this this weird <laughs> weird this ass noble horrendous human, human being <laughs> yeah this, this sorry excuse for a human being it's just like yes kill him for me 
<laughs> cut off his head and shit down his neck. <laughs> if you would. <laughs> there, I, I, I find him, never mind the, compart, the combine, I find him the scariest thing in the setting. <laughs> yeah. Just the way he's like, yeah, cool, he, he sat there and he's like, I will give you extra credits if you cut off his head and shit down his neck. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the amount of psychosis that guy has is... Uh, it's 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 different from like the the sort of cold and faceless like yeah like we're we're taking your shit like what are you gonna do about it that the combine has going on well, well well that's I mean obviously like the combine are like this massive threat and they've got all these resources and everything they're like a mega corporation but like mm-hmm. you say they are like a faceless mega corporation so when mm-hmm. we see the combine in action it's like they're they're sort of jackbooted like armored soldiers coming out and like mm-hmm. oppressing the common man. But mm-hmm. it, it is quite faceless because obviously those those people are just like doing their job as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when you're like meeting this noble guy, you're like, oh no, he is just like a, an evil bastard yeah. like, through and through. Someone, something is like wrong with him. Like <laughs> he's he's just bad. Yeah. Man. Bad news. Um. Yeah, I think uh, the the thing that. I picked up on when you were talking about uh, like stuff we've been doing and how it's been going. Uh, I really want to try the uh, like the space combat rules yeah. uh, of, of this version of Star Trek: The Number because they're entirely different from the previous version, where I thought it was uh, admittedly like Star Trek: The Number First Edition is an old ass game. <laughs> it's uh, several years old. Uh, Hey man, well, well, like like I said to you today, I mean, I've just downloaded like the original edition of Traveller, so I've got nothing against old ass games. Yeah, old ass space games. I mean, it, it's not ancient by any means, but it was one of the like earlier uh, iterations of the the Crawford OSR game. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I remember picking up the original version and some of the supplements like years and years ago. So. Yeah, so it, it wasn't like it, it had cool ideas, but I think that was definitely one of the very weak points of the first edition of the game. It, it, it was clunky, uh, I thought. So this version has um, the, uh, a command point economy thing where like every person on the ship is assigned a role as, as long as there are roles to assign. Like You can just be around. You can be a generic dude and still participate. But uh, like you could be um, like the I forget the departments, but there's like three, three or four. Uh, you could be like the piloting. Uh, Diego could be the guns station dude, and um, that 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 sort of thing. And uh, our captain uh, Aurora could be the bridge. And then there's this whole thing where the the bridge decides like which order like different departments act in, and you you know, like have this distribution of and generation of command points. So if you were in the engine room, uh, you and like Aurora goes like <laughs> in true like Star Trek fashion, they go like, give me more power. <laughs> and, and you're 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 back there with your hydro spanner. <laughs> we're mixing franchises here. Uh, and like you're cranking out more power so that next uh, Diego can go, well I have all these command points. I'm gonna open up on this some bitch. <laughs> Yeah, so I presume you you generate like command points like every like turn for one of a better yeah better yeah, word, like you, and then you apportion them out to whatever actions you want to do. Yeah, yeah, and I think it it gives you like one per person or something. I, I forget the exact rules, but like you get this like every every turn essentially like you get the standard amount, and then some of the actions 
generate more. So like in the engine room, like you can just be cranking out more power to other people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, we've not really got into any like big sort of like yeah. full balls to the wall like space fights yet. But it's a sci-fi game; it is going to happen at some point. So I think that that'd be pretty cool to like give those roles a run out and see how they work. Yeah, yeah, because it's 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 much more. Uh, it's sort of like this mini game, like a mini board game inside the the RPG, which is is kind of cool, uh, as opposed to the previous edition where <laughs> it was. It was like a guessing game, like a like a actually like just uh, like a shell game of like, oh, is your ship in phase five? And then you go, no, I am in phase four. Damn it, can't shoot. <laughs> <And then>, right. <laughs> it, it was uh, yeah. it was it was not elegant. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, looking forward to trying that because I, I think it might be fairly entertaining because then you get to, like, role-play the whole, like, Star Trek bit out when, like, they have the crisis on and you're like, oh, Captain, <laughs> what should we do? That's it. It's like um, in the sort of stars of that number system, for anyone who doesn't know, when your ship gets damaged, as far as I understand it, you, mm-hmm. you sort of, obviously, you deduct your armor, you you work out the scale of the damage and how much is going to be taken off your hull. Or as I understand it, you can take like a complication which negates yep. the damage, but something like funky happens on the ship. And like, mm-hmm. every, every time that's mentioned as a possibility, I can't help but like flashing back to like Star <laughs> Trek when like that, every time they get hit, like the consoles are like exploding, like, yeah. sparks are flying everywhere. That is exactly what happens. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I love the idea of that. And obviously things like that are more likely to happen in a in a space combat because at the minute it take, we tend to take damage when we're like running away at the end of the mission and like some sort of a bitch always like pops up with a rocket launcher and like <laughs> and like skins us for like a few like points off our hole yeah. and we're like oh yeah. glad we didn't get hit by more of them bye yeah, yeah I was uh, uh, I I thought you guys were gonna die when you were in the asteroid belt and you rolled the worst possible result for like what do you find or what do you encounter, which yeah. is the actual like anti-ship, like built to destroy things like you, uh, automated gun platform, which uh, I rolled almost like max damage on the first shot, <laughs> uh, which almost killed you by itself. Yeah, I've got to admit it was it was a bit squeaky bum time at that point, and like because you need to like try to avoid like. It's it's abstract, but like you need to get away and also avoid getting shot. So it takes like three consecutive, um, uh, like successful attempts. And I, I thought you guys were going to be screwed because the difficulty is quite high, and the the hits are massive <laughs> on those things. Well, that's I mean it's it's one of the things that I find quite cool, but also sort of like. A bit scary, which I know is the point. But whenever mm-hmm. something hits your ship, I mean, last time when we were like sort of leaving at the end after like hijacking the train, we, we had like the guy shoot like two rockets at us from like the flyer, and it mm-hmm. was like the, the first rocket missed. If that had hit that, that damage roll was like massive, and I was like, <laughs> that could have done us. Yeah. And then like we we got a glancing hit off the second one, and that like knocked down virtually like half of our half. hull. Yeah. And we made it away, and I was like, oh. All it would have taken was like one more of them rockets, and mm-hmm. we'd have had to start going like, right, well, we can't afford to lose the hull. We're going to have to start taking like the complications, yeah, just to like get yeah. away from this. So, 
I think like a lot of OSR games, it's like depending on what happens in a combat and how it's set up, obviously it can just sort of like turn like that if you get a couple of like bad dice rolls and can become like extremely lethal very quickly. And obviously if your ship blows up and you're on board the ship, well, that, mm -hmm. that's you done. Yeah, it's going to be uh, Matthew's character is just like drifting in space. Or now you and Matthew, uh, presuming you take the, the Android thing. Um, that, that, <laughs> that that's it. One one thing I, I am interested in asking purely for like, mm -hmm. for how I'm going to role play the character is obviously yeah I'm dead set I'm taking the Android VI thing for my next thing but mm -hmm. like so let let's say before I get to that point I'm exposed to the vacuum. Mm -hmm. How do you want me to play that? Because obviously technically I've not actually got the foci until we mm -hmm. get the next level so like in the next obviously i'll have it at the end of next adventure presumably when we level up mm -hmm. but yep. let's say i get flushed out into the vacuum of space mm -hmm. before i've got that foci am i going to be like oh well i've just like blown up or like died as a normal person would i'm i i think it would be most interesting if um like you picking the focus is gonna like represent some sort of well, I guess like that's going to be up to you uh, either way, whether the picking the focus or, like represents the fact that uh, Catherine realizes this. That, that well, like I say, I'm, I'm quite happy to play it however you think it'll work best for the game. Like If you're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, you're going to be entirely biological up until you take this foci and you're entirely affected mm -hmm. by everything that affects biologists, I'm fine with that because mm -hmm. that's how I've been playing it so far. But yeah. if you're also like, well you've effectively got the sort of VI stuff, even if you don't realize it, mm -hmm. I'm happy to play mm -hmm. it that way. So like I, said, I just want to know, so I've got something to like base my role play on. Because obviously yeah, at the um, minute, I'm going to be like, well, I've just seen so far, I'm going to be like, oh, vacuum, best believe I'm getting a suit on. Because yeah, like, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, I, I'm just a normal person. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm still uh, going to be doing that. But um, we, if we've got like in a situation where I'm like, oh shit, my, 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 my suit sprung a leak and I can't repair it or whatever, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to role play my character panicking. Oh, I'm running out of air. I need to like patch my mm -hmm. suit up or whatever. But if I if I don't manage to do that, am I just going to be like, oh, I'm thus I die? I think uh, it might be interesting. Uh, tell me if it's not. But <laughs> uh, it might be interesting to uh, like even after you pick the feet for uh, Catherine because she was specifically manufactured as a like a biological slash mechanical armature uh in the way that's the the cylon infiltrators were so like they don't realize like catherine yeah. doesn't know about this stuff so i think it might be interesting to just maintain that idea not the mechanics like you you'll get the mechanics starting next session yeah. regardless of what happens but like catherine doesn't realize until like uh, like fucking uh <laughs> Uh, Tao like starts like rooting around in her insides and like why do you have this <laughs> in there or uh, Catherine ends up like getting flushed to space and just goes the whole uh, like normal death cycle just like oh I don't have air uh, 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 I'm gonna die and then she like dies quote unquote and then like a minute after it's just like uh how does why like the I, I like the idea that the the biological experience of death would be like programmed there like you need to like go through this 
yeah, and then so, you come out on the other side. Yeah, I mean, uh, th that's pretty much what I was thinking. I mean, I was thinking, like, again, to use the sort of flushed into a vacuum sort of mm -hmm. scenario, I was thinking, like, if I did get, like, flushed into a vacuum, like you say, I'd react as, like, oh, you know, I'm dying, I'm mm -hmm. doing all the normal stuff. But it'd actually be like, oh, I'm doing the normal dying stuff. And then I shut down at the point where I would have died. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I'm, like, hauled back in and obviously, like, examined, that would lead mm -hmm. to, like, Tao finding out... Mm -hmm. But as far as my, I was thinking, made my character like if they sort of managed to restart me, that'd be my character like, oh, I miraculously survived somehow. I tell you, such an amazing doctor, rather <laughs> than like, oh yes, I survived because I'm an artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I quite like the idea because of you mentioning that there's this sort of element of this, uh, either the AIs or whoever actually made Catherine. Uh, the idea that like she's there to like experience and witness the universe. Yeah, I, I think because of the fact that it's only now that we're even talking about Catherine being uh, non-human. I think a lot of that must have to do with the fact that she has a human perspective. So I think it might be interesting if there's some some like programming to shield her at least to some point. Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of envisioning, like we said, like, the sort of overall AI uh -huh. is, like I say, trying to, trying to sort of understand all it from its perspective, like these tiny sort of like entities that are running around. And from uh -huh. its sort of perspective on high, as it were, uh -huh. a lot of what they do doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because like, to a logical like computer system, a lot uh -huh. of what humans do is just like bewildering, even if they're, like, uh -huh. they've got artificial intelligence. So part of the idea of having Catherine effectively being a biological entity and behaving in exactly the same way and why like a, a thought patterns and everything's modeled on like the original uh -huh. is so that when these these experiences are sort of beamed back to the AI it's got this like level of human perspective so it can like increase its own understanding for whatever uh -huh. its aims are obviously my character doesn't know uh -huh. yeah uh, I think it's would be quite interesting to have uh like regardless of what happens until someone like digs out your mechanical guts and goes like catherine what the fuck <laughs> i think it might be interesting to have catherine sort of be like oblivious to the fact even if there's like those death scenarios where like you're drifting out in space like ah, i'm dead and someone like hauls you in and resuscitates you like oh okay well, well, that's it yeah i mean i was thinking it's like you say it's almost like a sort of subconsciously programmed sort of like self-preservation instinct where obviously like the the overall ai wants this human perspective so my character sort of subconsciously programmed to like react in all ways a biological entity would do mm -hmm. uh, and also to sort of like subconsciously protect herself from realizing she's not biological mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think that'd be pretty cool and also, like when eventually the, the the programming fails because someone like represents irrevocable like proof, like what what is this? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think th like because you were built for this stuff. Like there's gonna be like programming for that event. Like, hello, Catherine. Uh, welcome to the new you. <laughs> like, yeah, like that'd, that'd be pretty funny. Starts playing in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Like, you have been unwittingly uh, my pawn uh, for several hundred years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty cool.
Mm-hmm. All righty then. And of course, um, there's nothing to say that uh, Matthew won't at some point decide that, well, uh, we know that quote unquote true AI exists. Uh, I am what's called a virtual AI. I am somehow lesser. Uh, maybe I should pursue like ways forward, and that that's obviously something you guys could like have a project on. Well, well, that's it. I mean, I was thinking it. it I mean, I think if and when he like, realizes that my character has a connection, albeit like a sort of faint, tenuous one, to mm-hmm. like a true AI, that's a potential avenue for him to then like pursue that if he wants to, and sort of like go for mm-hmm. that more in the game. So obviously, like, I won't really know anything about it. So I'll just be sort of like it's his unwitting doorway into that sort of element mm-hmm. of the plot if he wants to go for it. Yep. Sweet. Okay. So, for the Android, what you're going to get, aside from all the, the robot bits, is bonus skill uh, related to your intended function. Uh. Which... I'd probably suggest. My, my piloting's like fairly ridiculous already. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd suggest like maybe go, maybe add it onto like fix or something like that for like maintaining the ship and. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say like fix notice or no. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably say fix because then it also gives me like a handy thing for like if Matthew's character gets yeah. damaged, I can potentially like help him out by like repairing him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Yep. Righto. Sweet. I think we we hashed that out. Yeah, I think that's pretty much sorted. So that's been me and Johannes discussing uh, potentially me taking a unique focus in his Stars Without Number game. And like I said, I thought it'd be interesting to record this and put this on the podcast just so people can see this this sort of GM player discussion. And I was saying to Johannes at the start, it's quite rare for me as someone who GMs a lot of games to be on the player side of that discussion rather than the GM side of it. But I, I talk yeah. about this sort of like discussion and this to and fro a lot. So I thought it'd, thought it'd be interesting for people to actually like hear that in action as it were. So thanks very much for joining me and going through that. Johannes, uh, one question. Do you want me to like not put this on the podcast until like after it's revealed in game or... Are you happy to just upload uh, it and whatever? I don't mind. I uh, I think Dennis listens to it, but I don't. Like but, I don't. I don't. I don't care. Uh, oh, that, I, I that, think that's up to you because that, it's your okay. That, that, that's fine. Well, I'll probably I'll probably edit it then and like upload it like within the next day or two because like I, I trust yeah. everyone who's playing like enough to to, to role play it appropriately, even if they know stuff mm-hmm. out of character. So yeah, that's fine. Right. Well, thank you very much. I think I shall stop the recording here. So that's it for this episode. If you have any questions or suggestions for things you'd like to see in the podcast in future, please either email them to reddicediaries at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at Anchor. Until I see you next time, whenever you're playing, take care and enjoy yourselves.